best smoke me when I die. And if anyone don't like it, just look up in the eye. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving, so don't sit around and cry. Just roll me up and smoke me when I die. Now you won't see no sad and teary eye. When I get my wings and it's my time to fly. All right. Call my friends and tell them. Welcome to podcast number 98 of the Texas Hemp Show this week. I'm Russell Dowden, publisher and editor for the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. And we are excited as the the fall is settling in. The winds are changing. uh, The weather is cooling. It is the 5th of October this week on the... 98th edition of uh, the podcast this week and as things with change with the weather so does the political climate and so <laughs> we this week are excited to have on susan hayes is going to be joining us here on podcast number 98 this week and if you you at least know someone that knows susan hayes and, and her profile as an attorney here in the lone star state and she's been at the forefront of the cannabis legislation for some time now and um was heavily involved in crafting much of the legislation that we've seen here in recent sessions and really crafting the original language of the Texas Hemp Bill in HB 1325 and the 86th regular uh, legislative session. So uh, she's not stopping there. She is getting things going. Joining me here this week on the Texas Hemp Show, welcome uh, Susan Hayes, our Democratic candidate for Texas Attorney General. Welcome, Susan, to the program. Thank you very much. And it's Ag Commission, not Attorney General. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I saying Attorney? <laughs> well, welcome to the show. And how are things, I guess, on the campaign trail? You spoke with me off air a moment ago. It sounds like the campaign trail is about to really get going for you, Susan. It's really heating up as the weather cools off the campaign trail heats up. And the big announcement mm-hmm. I had today is that three former Texas Supreme Court justices who all served as Republicans, have endorsed me. Tom Phillips, who was the chief justice of the court, along with Craig Enoch and Deborah Hankinson, who were justices on the Supreme Court. And these were all people, I I was a law clerk at the Texas Supreme Court, that's how I originally met them, but I've worked with all three of them over the years on cases or issues. Mm -hmm. And even though we're from different parties, we have a lot of mutual respect for working for the better of Texas and supporting democratic institutions. Well, as a fifth-generation Texan, I understand your roots run deep in West Texas. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's, that is true. That is true. I guess let me just jump right in here with you. Why are you throwing your weight in on this campaign for Ag Commissioner? Well, it, one of the many, many reasons I wanted to run was to carry a message on cannabis. And mm-hmm. having worked on cannabis issues at the Capitol the last several sessions, what I see over and over again is the legislators, the people with the power to make change, don't really understand it. And I thought, how great would it be if we had a statewide office holder who really understood cannabis, the plant, cannabis, the industry, and who could pick up the phone and explain it to those people who need to understand it to pass good legislation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another reason I wanted to run was carry a message on cannabis to demystify it. And every time I talk to an editorial board, they want to talk about cannabis. And it gives me that (laughs) chance to get uh, people who write opinions, op-eds to to get it, to understand what the basics, like what's the difference between hemp and marijuana and how arbitrary and odd a line in the sand that is. Isn't it strange? I mean, uh, uh, 
it, it really is educating the these lawmakers uh, mm-hmm. on on this. It, that's one of the biggest bubbles that we've seen in the last few legislatures is we're just trying to educate these guys on the benefits and the, uh, of the medicine side, the the commerce side. And um, I think we made a little bit of uh, movement last session. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a big it, slam dunk, I don't think. Uh, it's, Susan, yeah, but... every session's baby steps. Yeah. And what's happening is Texas is getting further and further behind the rest of this country. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, it's you know sort of stupid. It's not like cannabis isn't already here. Yeah. And there's not plenty available and what instead the market in the black market are getting further and further ahead of the state's ability to regulate for safety and efficacy. Well, you don't believe it should be regulated as, as heavily as it's been. And uh, can you elaborate on, on just how you feel about regulation? Absolutely. And I just in general regulations of anything, mm-hmm. they should have a, you know, a distinct purpose. Public health and safety is the main reason the government gets to restrict any of our liberties. And those regulations should be driven by science and not, um, you know, fear and and stigma. And that's where most regulations around cannabis are driven. I have on my website a a very detailed position paper on what Texas is doing wrong about cannabis Mm -hmm. and what we should do to do it right. Um, Perhaps too long. (laughs) (laughs) There's all these little drop down submenus in it. Both explaining that you know, we we're doing it bass backward, as I like to say, and <laughs> I you know some editorial boards and the governor have talked about let's decriminalize, but whoa 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 legalization is too much. Well, dude, think about that. If you decriminalize and you don't legalize, what have you done? You've invited the black market in, and you know black market products can be dangerous. Think back to the Evali crisis before the pandemic when black market vape pens were burning out people's lungs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a very legitimate role for of government to make sure products that people put in their bodies are safe. Um, and as long as cannabis is illegal federally, that very much falls to the states to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and also any regulations of, that are cannabis specific should not be there just because somebody doesn't like cannabis. Um, well, and I'll take an example of something I think states should start pulling back on as other states legalized marijuana. They put in a lot of diversion control um, regulations, things to, you know, like seed to sale tracking to make sure pot grown in Colorado doesn't leave the legal market for other states. As every other state starts legalizing, that's going to be kind of a dumb thing to have in place. Businesses may still very much want seed to sale tracking as a matter of inventory control, mm-hmm. but the government shouldn't necessarily require that. Well, you agree. I mean, the regulation, the taxation, it's fine, if it is, but it should accomplish a clear economic goal without hurting exactly. uh, the industry. And I, I believe that's been your stance. It is. And one thing I've said about on the, mm-hmm. said on the website, and I've said while well, stumping about California, you know, they got greedy. They overtaxed mm-hmm. and they let local governments pile on regulations and taxation on top of what um, the state does. And if you want to do business in L.A. County, I think there's like 80 jurisdictions you have to figure oh out God. it's a cannabis lawyers full employment act i have there's a whole <laughs> lot of cannabis lawyers in california for that reason mm-hmm. but it's it just kills innovation and kills particularly smaller businesses it's cost prohibitive to get in because your legal costs are so high you talked a bit ago susan about these vape pens and and some of the the 
health concerns there. Mm-hmm. How important is the health? I know health and public safety as an issue for you on this campaign trail is a big, a big thing. And you talk about that. Yeah, it is. It, it's, you know, and it dovetails with the larger role of the agriculture commission, which mm-hmm. is food, you know, 80% of the ag commission's budget is meals on wheels and school lunches. Ag commission regulates pesticides. Um, also includes the state office of rural health, by the way. But it's, you know, the Ag Commission isn't just about promoting ag products. It's also about getting good ag products to market mm-hmm. and helping ag producers find good markets, but also making sure little kids and old folks have access to good food and addressing food deserts around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very interested in sustainable agriculture and both economically and environmentally, meaning ag that is doesn't destroy the land, the air, or the water. And mm-hmm. also, agriculture, you know, business models that are sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, we, I want to look for ways for people to make a living off small amounts of land again, where we get more people producing agricultural products, urban agriculture. Yeah, that's um, definitely important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with regards to the state's law enforcement and testing, it seems like we need a bill that would allow for some independent testing labs mm-hmm. to be used with these law enforcement cases. And we saw like in Navarro County, the case earlier this year, I think there was one in North Texas against uh, Red River Management last year, um, where the legal hemp is being seized by, you know, county officials. Like clueless frontline law enforcement. Clueless frontline law enforcement. Right. Exactly. Our you local are, small. have not been proactively trained in what happened with the hemp bill. The way they have to do their training is so much continuing education year. And if that class doesn't really cut it, then, you know, local law enforcement uh, may or may not know. Very early on, I tried to talk DPS and setting up a hotline mm-hmm. or just having a page on their website mm-hmm. that local, we could point local law enforcement to. And yeah. the reaction I got was kind of, it wasn't a hostile reaction. It was more of a, what they think their lane is reaction. DPS felt like, oh, it's not our job to give legal advice to local law enforcement. They're a different jurisdiction and stay in our lane. I'm like, that's great, but we're going to have problems. Now to the labs. This is what drives me crazy Mm -hmm. about the state of Texas. Yeah. Greg Abbott has blown $4 billion and counting on this political theater on the border. Mm -hmm. $4 billion um, putting law enforcement National Guard there who do not have the legal ability to do anything about immigrants crossing. But we won't invest in our crime labs. And let me explain yeah. the different tiers of labs real quickly. And, you know, and I, it cracks me up because, you know, in the cannabis business, people test all the time. It's no big whoop. So it's a little baffling to us. Why can't the state get it right? Why is it so hard to test the mm-hmm. you know, potency levels of THC or Delta 8 versus Delta 9? The problem is we underfund our crime labs. Um, So you've got our private labs. You've got labs that are DEA licensed, meaning you can hold controlled substances. And then you have forensic crime labs. And it's that last category that you have to be in order to participate in the criminal justice system. So a private lab could be a forensic crime lab. Um, I don't know of any legal barriers to it. In Texas, there are 12 forensic crime labs. There is no systematic funding streams for them. DPS has one, but it's apparently kind of crappy. Um, The city of Houston has one. Harris County has one. They may get funding from the city or the county. 
So we, no one's taken a big picture look of, do we have effective crime lab system in Texas? The answer is no. See all the rape kits rotting on the shelves. I mean, it's been over 10 years since the rape kit backlog became an issue and Texas still has not solved it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you renewed your driver's license, there's a little checkbox where you can pick in, chip in a couple of extra bucks for our crime labs. Right. That's kind of crazy to have, the, in essence, a bake sale, a checkoff to fund crime labs. That is a basic government function yeah. that should be well-funded by tax dollars. Um, early on in working on the hemp bill, I quite randomly met one of the guys who runs a forensic crime lab. And my first question to him was, so can you test potency levels of THC? And his mm -hmm. quick answer was yes, but not at scale. We don't have the machines and we don't have the toxicologist we need. And he was there at the Capitol trying to get more funding for the labs. So I yeah. drafting a, a medical cannabis bill that session put some language in it that some of the licensing fees shall be given to the crime labs because it's important to the industry that the state be able to quickly test. <laughs> well, one of the things that's come up on the show it, with other lab um, owners that I've had mm -hmm. on the program, you know, um, I mentioned to uh, Veteran Scientific Labs, uh, JJ, I mentioned to him yeah. when I've talked to JJ on the show a couple of months ago, and I said, why don't we have one of our reps uh, put a bill together that, that, or the, the criminal testing to be tested by private labs that have mm -hmm. better equipment? Mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't know that you need a bill to do that so much as you need the state looking at it comprehensively. Yeah. And because what? You know, local jurisdiction is part of the sort of balkanization of our criminal justice system. A local jurisdiction could contract with a private. Um, uh -huh. But is, you know, is it a good idea for that jurisdiction? Is that lab up to snuff? What are the standards? There are standards for a forensic crime lab and a private lab can meet them. And but it's also still a funding issue. We don't fund the testing. They Whether need to you fund, fund the lab or fund, I mean, what happens to a local jurisdiction uh, like BFE County has to pay <laughs> the crime lab if they're going to do a case. So a county might have, it may not even be a marijuana related offense, some other drug related offense or some uh, other horrible crime. And they back off from prosecuting it because they can't afford the lab testing. Well, it's in that nuts. case, that, that is not any way to run a safe government. So Susan, those, I, those, those kids that had the, uh, the grow up in Navarro County, they reached out to me for help. They had a big mm -hmm. article in the observer up in North Texas. We ran a story. I put Jay McGuire in touch with them. Jay mm -hmm. reaches out to the district attorney uh, from the Texas hemp federation. And I'll, I'll, next thing you know, the case gets dropped. Yeah. Um, yep. But uh, it, it would be, you know, if, if, if we force local county law enforcement uh, to, to have to use uh, civilian testing for these things, I think it would expedite these cases and you wouldn't see, you know, uh, well, them holding on to evidence. And, you and, still you know, have to pay for it. I mean, and even when, like I said, even when a county gets something tested and the DPS lab does it, they still have to pay. Well, isn't it cheaper so to pay the private the funding stream? That's the issue. Yeah. And, and, and personally, it should be coming out of general revenue because it's a basic government function. Yeah. I, I think you're about right. The campaign trail that, you know, the Republicans want to attack Democrats for defunding the police or alleging mm -hmm. Democrats want to defund the police. That was never the case. 
And I'm like, dude, y'all won't even fund basic criminal justice. Rape kits, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a couple of years ago, there was a lab in New York State that was volunteering to test rape kits from Texas because they were building a database of the DNA they were coming up with. That's a great way to catch a serial rapist. <laughs> uh, same with black market drugs that could be very, very dangerous, like vape pens that may have fentanyl, laced mm-hmm. with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And people think they're buying something else, but they get fentanyl because it's black market. And that bite pen kills some kid or harms some kid. Our crime labs do not have the ability at all to take that mystery substance in a bait pen, quickly figure out what it is, or be able to match it to other um, sources it may have found. That's a, a failure of the criminal justice system. Yeah, and these are you're right about the funding. It's supposed to come from the state. It's a duty of the state to fund mm-hmm. those local agencies with that. Uh, but that's an issue that we'll still need to be addressing is uh, with the with the testing and with the and more education needs to be available to the local um, county sheriffs. So that it's a hard thing when they've been Texas has been such a hard line on, you know, marijuana for so many yeah. years being a border state as we've been. And it's taken some time to educate. And I think one of the biggest things is, is educating local law enforcement it, it is. Uh, on this it product. Is. You know, I had a great time is that before the pandemic hit, I was going door to door to sheriffs and talking to them. Mm-hmm. And every conversation was so incredibly illuminating to me about what their world looked like as I would, you know, put my lawyer hat on and talk about, hey, the hemp bill just passed. I'm just here in case you have any questions. Let me explain it. And, you know, I was engaged in that strategy for two reasons. One, to honestly, to God, educate them. Mm-hmm. but also to try to smoke out the haters in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some law enforcement elements that are part of the problem, particularly vis-a-vis Dan Patrick with getting better cannabis laws passed. Um, and I made it through five of them before the pandemic hit and everything shut down. <laughs> but, you know, to the one, they all were just fine, you know, with mm-hmm. cannabis. Mm-hmm. They had better things to do. They, had, they were curious. They'd ask me some really interesting questions that I'd answer. Um, and I, in particular, remember telling, explaining to one of them that it's the terpenes in cannabis that give it its smell, that THC is odorless. And this was a particularly smart sheriff. He immediately looked at me and said, does that mean a drug dog wouldn't alert on a gummy? And I said, not if it was made with an isolate. And he just, he kind of got this, oh shit, look on his face real quick. And then he grinned <laughs> ear to ear like the Cheshire Cat. And he thought it was hilarious. We're probably going to take a, a, I guess I may just take us a, a, to commercial here with this. I do want to comment that uh, I saw on one of your campaign slogans is farming is hard. Ethics should be easy. So we'll yeah. talk on the other side about ethics and, yeah. and, uh, our continued conversation with Democratic candidate Susan Hayes. We'll be right back on the other side. It's the Texas Hip Show. We'll be right back after this. All right. Ad commission. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. At TFNB, your bank for life, we understand the unique struggles this emerging market creates for early adopters. We love working with innovative entrepreneurs on the next big thing, and we believe hemp is exactly that. For over 130 years, we've been getting to know our clients and helping them plan for their future. Come tell us your story and plans for your venture. TFNB Bank, your bank for hemp. Proud to support Texas farmers. Visit online at tfnbtx.com. 
Why take a chance with your hemp grow? Join Hemp Plan and avoid the risk. TPS Lab's exclusive hemp monitoring program. Hemp Plan members get one-on-one -on -one consulting from knowledgeable consultants who are available when you need them most. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing hemp and focus on what matters most, call TPS Lab today and ask for your free consultation. Take the next step to a successful harvest. Visit tpslab.com or call today at 956-383-0739. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. We are ATX Bud Tenders, and we sell marijuana. Nosotros somos los ATX Bud Tenders, y nosotros vendemos marijuana. I can kick the boot mouth. You can kick the kick mouth. Obviously, that was all made up, and obviously, we don't give a f we will serve a cop. We'll serve anyone. Real marijuana today. 737 Gas Bud. com. Contact us now and get weed cheaper than any time in your life. The Texas Hemp Reporter is available free at all CBD and smoke shops in Houston and Austin, Texas. Expanding to Dallas and San Antonio this year. Cannabis is slowly becoming legal in Texas. So be sure to listen to the Texas Hemp Show podcast every week, wherever podcasts are available. The premier hemp and marijuana advocacy publication for Texas. The Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Mailed to over 2,000 licensed hemp producers in Texas. Texas. News, technology, trends, finance, culture, health, all things hemp in the Lone Star State. Now in our third year, with more than 100,000 copies made available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops in Texas. That's the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine and the Texas Hemp Show. Visit online at TexasHempReporter.com and listen wherever podcasts are available. Now, back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Well, I guess it was back in 63 when eating my cooking got the better of me, so I asked this little girl I was going with to be my wife. Well, she said she would, so I said I do, but I'd have said I wouldn't if I'd have just knew how saying I do was going to screw up all of my life. Well, the first few years weren't all that bad. I'll never forget the good. Time. All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show podcast number ninety-eight. Joining us, Democratic candidate for Texas Ag Commissioner's Office, uh, Susan Hayes, uh, joining us here. Farming is hard. Ethics should be easy, as she points out in as one of her campaign slogans. And I believe that's you know uh, poking at uh, current commissioner. Sid Miller and some of the things they've had that some challenges they've had. I'll let Susan no. <laughs> uh, explain that tag line in her political campaign this fall. Uh, ethics should be easy. Describe a uh, kind of that jab, if you will, and and where where you uh, are going with that. I'll yeah, let you, uh, that, on that, that slogan came real easy to me when I was first starting the campaign. And I'll tell you, the first half farming is hard. I sort of stole from an assistant commissioner because we were talking about the hemp program and everybody was going to rush in and not understanding that it's not as easy as it looks to grow anything, much less cannabis. Um, so we were joking with each other about, you know, turns out farming is hard. Um, 
And the ethics should be easy part. Also, just Miller is a train wreck of unethical behavior. Everything from taking a state plane to Oklahoma to get something called the Jesus shot for his bad back to putting his consultant's wife on payroll for a six-figure job that she didn't show up to. And as I'm sure everybody listening has heard, his consultant, Todd Smith, has been indicted for trying to sell hemp licenses for tens of thousands of dollars when they cost a hundred bucks and they're unlimited. Mm -hmm. And as we were working on the rollout of the hemp program and the rulemaking, I watched that play out in real time. You know, I'd go to hearings or hemp events and people would come up to me and say, this guy's telling me I need to pay all this money to get a license. Is that true? And I would explain to them, absolutely not. We purposely wrote into the bill, Senator Perry very much wanted the program to be accessible, a mm-hmm. uh, hundred bucks. And then it's of course a hundred dollars for any facility fees. And then there should be no other hemp fees. And Sid Miller has invented fees and charged them anyway. They're charging a hundred bucks for lot permits and $75 for transport manifest. Those two fees are absolutely illegal. And the, Ag department knows it. Miller knows it. They don't care because that's how Sid Miller rolls. Um, Miller is, as I've learned more and more in campaigning, a pariah among his own party. You know, he admits neither the governor or the lieutenant governor will, will, will not talk to him. So how can he be an advocate for the ag interest to the rest of the state, for the vis-a-vis the rest of state government? And as I've gotten out there and talked to traditional ag groups like cotton growers or cattlemen, they can't stand him. You know, he's completely ineffectual. And it's also the habit of somebody will call up and say, hey, will you come speak at our conference? And ring, ring, five minutes later, there's a call demanding a campaign contribution. That is no way to govern. It's just mm-hmm. holding an office to feather your own nest instead of doing what's good for the state of Texas. Well, I had him on the show once last year, and I was just wondering, and I, I I was trying to understand what power the ag commissioner has. I understand there's some, mm-hmm. there's some policymaking rules that you as, as a commissioner have uh, just, I, I didn't get a sense when he was on before of what that, what, what that, what power the head is, what can, you're the attorney, you're, general, you're the attorney, Susie, you might, yeah. can, you, can you explain to me what, what's the limited power that the office holds? Um, does it, it well, give you I'll some flexibility? It, it, I'll talk about rulemaking in general and then with a hemp program, which is a little weirder. In Mm -hmm. general, how our laws are made is not just at the legislature. The legislature passes statutes. Think about that as the bones of a human being. There's still Mm -hmm. a lot of flesh to fill out. Mm -hmm. And that can happen through agency rulemaking. And at the federal level, the rulemaking is the ballgame. That's where the bulk of federal law really comes from. In Texas, historically, rulemaking hasn't made that big of a substantive change on top of the law, the statutes. And then if you have, as you might have court cases, they fill in the gaps too. So an agency leader can really push the envelope or not with a new program like the hemp program. Now, let me talk about the hemp program in specific. We were constrained by the farm bill. And also the USDA, what they call it the interim final rule, um, because it was pushed through very quickly. Normally, the federal rulemaking process is slower than molasses. Mm -hmm. And one thing we made room for in the hemp bill was reclamation of hemp that grew hot. You know, if your hemp grows hot, it is not hard to extract the THC and still harvest the CBD or other cannabinoids. And Texas law would allow that. 
And that was a big fight to get that in there, by the way. That was one of the main things mm-hmm. I worked on on the bill language. But then the federal USDA regs pulled the rug out from underneath that. And at the time, I was pushing the Ag Department. You know, Trump was in the White House. The Ag Secretary was Sonny Perdue, with whom Miller allegedly had a relationship. And I was pushing, you know, Miller needs to get up there and get USDA to back down. That is going to be next to impossible to consistently grow under 0.3%. And what I did not know at the time that I understand now is Miller has no pull with anybody, not with the Trump administration, not with the USDA. And that's a huge piece of this job is being able to get the feds to do things that are helpful for agriculture, whether it's the hemp program or anything else to get the ag secretary on the phone and make the request and Mm -hmm. do your own lobbying at the federal level on rulemaking. You know, you're being an attorney and coming into this space with the agriculture commission office. I mean, that, that, that's pretty unique. I mean, I don't know how many. Yeah, it uh, is. It really that, is. That, I, I know you've got that background with the, as an attorney, and then mm-hmm. you do have this West Texas history, and it is a very unique opportunity to have an attorney, you know, in it this is. in this it office is. as a state office. And it's how I describe it. I understand how the system works. Mm-hmm. You know, I really understand the legislative process. Yeah, I've been out of the Capitol since I was about eighteen. <laughs> and um, understand how relationship based that is. And so and that's part of why Miller is so ineffectual is nobody over there likes him, particularly the people who served with him when he was a House member who are still around. So well, you know, once I'm elected on November 8th, I got to roll out of bed on November 9th and start setting up meetings with members of the Finance Committee and the Appropriations Committee. This office has been just slowly carved down while Miller's been there because the legislature doesn't trust him with money because of his ethics problems. Hmm. So you've got to build those relationships back up and try to get the budget for the agency that it would need, um, like updating the freaking website. The website's horrible. <laughs> I mean, the, the portal to do the hemp licenses is enraging to me. There's a video or two on there. I've 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 seen the yeah, video. there's a couple of videos, but you know, the lawyer <laughs> in me can't stand it that I file something with the government and I can't download what I just filed so I can keep it for my records. Everyone <laughs> should do that as a matter of good business practices. Let's talk about the next session that's coming up as well. You're a big part of one of the things we've heard uh, many guests on the show talk about is is that they want to see maybe doctors get medical discretion. That's important, isn't it? Out of the business of picking conditions Mm -hmm. because they're not doctors. That's right. You know, it's absurd. And it was a habit that other states got into when medical cannabis started first started becoming a thing. The first bill in 2015 was pushed through because of epileptic children. You know, it was really hard to look those parents in the face and not allow it. And, you know, one thing I think a lot of us missed about the timing of what happened is in 2015, when Texas passed the, quote, low THC cannabis program, there were several others, about a dozen other states that had that. But in 2018, the Farm Bill passes. And hemp is basically low THC cannabis. So the hemp bill really boiled over the medical program. That's part of why it's so mm-hmm. anemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we should not have the legislature telling doctors which conditions they can prescribe it for. And we should not have them telling doctors what the dosing can be. That should be left to physicians. 
Mm-hmm. And there may come a time that the legislature needs to put some limits on things like super high THC products might need to be limited more because they can um, cause someone to go into the cardio if they have cardio- cardiovascular problems. And we don't want people taking way too much DHC than they meant to. You know, it's not going to kill them, but can cause some real severe discomfort and be counterindicative to the effects they're going for. Let me ask you about these uh, Delta 9, Delta 8, other isomers of the CBD products. Uh, Would you support a bill in the legislature to make those types of products legal? A lot of business owners, as you know, in the state. What is and your- here's the big picture what needs to happen. The cannabis community in Texas needs to come together and propose a solution together mm-hmm. so that we're not at crossfire with each other, which is what happened in part last session, mm-hmm. and figure out one that's going to be politically feasible. Even if Beto O'Rourke, who wants to not only legalize but expunge criminal records, um, wins, and Mike Collier, who supports legalization, wins lieutenant governor. And, and I'll tell you all, of all these races, that is the single most important race for cannabis because Dan Patrick is our biggest problem. Yeah. If those two guys win, we're still going to have a Republican legislature. So the odds of passing freewheeling legalization are next to, to nothing. So we need to come forward with a rational, well-thought-out plan. And that's going to include age limits. You know, selling Delta 8 to high school kids is not cool. (laughs) It's a great way to have the legislature have a a pushback on the industry and it become more restrictive than ever. So the bad actors out there need to stop it with kids. Um, And we've got and it's going to take a lot of cleanup in the law. I mean, I began last session believing Delta-8 was fully legal because of the way hemp is carved out of the definition of controlled substances in the Controlled Substance Act. And I had a lot of discussions with a lot of other lawyers about it. And by the middle of session, I was convinced Delta-8 is illegal because of this paragraph that's in the Controlled Substances Act that prohibits or um, criminalizes tetrahydrocannabinols other than marijuana, by which they mean not flour, including, you know, cis delta three, cis delta six, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's very broad language. Yeah. And it is. It, it's exactly 50-50 right now in Texas law to me, whether Delta eight is and the other deltas um, are legal or not. And what I tell people who ask me about it is, you know, do you want to be the lucky winner who has to prove it in court? Everybody's taking a risk and we absolutely need to clean up that risk. The law should not be gray when it comes to the Controlled Substances Act or anything that's going to limit somebody's liberty. So, uh, yes, I absolutely support a cleanup bill. And <laughs> we absolutely need to plan on helping guide that so that we get something that's functional and works for everybody. Well, you know, uh, you and I know there's no cannabinoids in the hemp and grain and fiber. Do you support or mm-hmm. would support an exemption for grain or fiber testing to allow farmers to scale their you know, commercial production in, in, in fiber. Yeah. I mean, it's again, regulation should closely match restrictions should closely match the need to restrict anything. So fiber farmers should not be saddled with the extra cost that you have with cannabinoid farmers because there is no concern about anything that's going to get anybody high. <laughs> so everybody <laughs> calm down. Right. Or, or they're, or their their cattle or their 
pigs. Right. So no, they're like not, the feds are all freaked out about feed. <laughs> and I'm like, calm down. And yeah, the animals love it. It's fine. Yeah. It's not going to get anybody high if they eat the steak from the cow who ate. <laughs> That's right. It's not going to do anything. Nuts. Yeah. Um, Let's ask you about uh, industrial hemp. Where can we yeah. improve on getting that? Has there been? It's, it, you know, it's, it's the processing stage. Yeah. In, with the decorticators. Yes. And we need to get those in have, the state. Yeah. And that, that's statewide. And another failure of Miller running this agency is bringing home that federal tax dollars to help our ag, whether it's cannabis or other aspects of ag, have access to market and be able to get better prices for the products. And for example, meat packing. Um, there's a near monopoly of meat packing plants in the United States. Four companies control 80% of the market. As meat shot up with inflation, ranchers weren't getting paid more for cattle on the hoof. The people making the money were the meat packers because of this near monopoly. There was a billion dollars in one of the COVID relief packages the Biden administration passed to help fund startup meat packing plants and help small plants expand. We need more meat packing plants in Texas. Same with uh, industrial hemp processing. You know, if I won the lottery tonight, I would uh, go build something in Sweetwater, Texas, <laughs> because it's <laughs> near the railroads. It's near the South Plains. Um, I understand Texas grew more fiber hemp than any other state last year. Um, and we need to take advantage of that by putting yeah. in that infrastructure to process it close to the field and get it to the manufacturers to make it into products, whether yeah. it's hempcrete or bumpers for BMWs. Right. It needs to be more um, more incentive to bring you know producers and manufacturers uh, mm -hmm. you know into the state, uh, but but. Uh, that's a big issue. I want to touch on uh, the dishes decision to uphold the uh, production of the, we, the producers can't produce smokable hemp here in, in smokable flour. Um, so many of the um, producers that were producing uh, Susan are now going across Look, state borders. It's the manufacturing. Yes. And I, you know, when that smokable hemp language first came across the wire in the heat of the session, <laughs> And Dan Patrick's office was insisting on it. And it's very, for anyone who looked at it, it's very strangely worded. It doesn't say thou shalt not smoke hemp. It says <laughs> TDA and dishes, you may not license anyone for the production or manufacture of smokable hemp. And when I saw it, I looked at it and I was like, don't they know you can smoke it as it grows out of the ground? There's no manufacture to it. <laughs> it's smoke ready. Yeah. So you can still grow or produce smokable hemp. Um, Dishes itself in their initial publication of the reg said pretty much just call it tea. Okay, that's <laughs> weird for you government to tell me not to, but then tell me the workaround. Um, but you can't manufacture. And they backed off on retail sale. So well, we had sort of half a victory of that litigation. And yeah. it's goofy. It's dumb. It, it is. Uh, there were retail clients of mine that advertised with us in the magazine, Susan. That 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 in 2020, when that was all going on, they were they were turning their Bud Bars into tea bars. Yeah, people people didn't it's know. It's not a joint. It's a hip stick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's whatever. it's so silly. Some of it, um, but some of my uh, clients are telling me things like they have to now go um, and lease a kitchen space in yeah. Oklahoma on the border and they do their mm -hmm. production there and then mail them back to themselves in Austin or 
or Houston or wherever they are. And, and is, is, is there a way to correct that? It's uh, legislation. It, it's beating Dan Patrick at the polls. <laughs> And, I mean, dead, dead set serious. We got to win some elections around here if we want the cannabis laws we'd like to have. Well, uh, it's a, it's. Um, I'm going to give you. That's about really all I have for you, Susan. Unless there's something you want to touch on that you think I need to, to give you the floor for. But I, I do want to yeah. let you let you um, give us your your 60 second spiel to to get out there. And, <laughs> and the cold hard facts. Uh, the last day to register vote is next week october 11th so if you are not registered where you currently are living get it done uh early voting is october 24th till november 4th election day is november 8th and across the board the whole democratic ticket wants to legalize it um and the, as i said before the most important race is mike collier's yeah. Lieutenant governor followed by beto and it'd be great if i'm there too and you know i i've already had conversations with both of those guys that I am here to help shepherd through the cannabis reform packages we're going to pass. We got the votes for medical. We probably can get the votes for legalization with the right political uh, push and pull. And thanks for putting my website up. You guys check it out. You can read my cannabis policy there and please donate. I've done a poll. I can easily mm -hmm. beat Sid Miller, but I need to raise some money and get some ads out there and let make sure everybody knows about Sid's many sins. Well, we uh, we like what you're doing. We think you've got a great chance with this campaign. I think that you're the she can't understate it. The lieutenant governor's office is so important to get that on a yeah. Democrat uh, ticket because that's really where the 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 laws are are hung up they stop there the yeah the, it is the, it's the funnel pipe stops yeah. right there it is and dead. he's just toxic to our political culture overall so if there are any republicans listen listening you can barely stand to vote for one democrat vote for mike i'll be fine <laughs> uh recap again you, the recent developments that you were endorsed recently oh yeah you, you i mentioned those early in the show tell, tell us about that again former supreme court justices who all served as republicans and you know they endorsed me because of the ethics. We can disagree on many policy issues, but we all care about our democracy and we all care about Texas. And people in public office should every day wake up and think, what can I do for Texas today? And not what can I do to line my own pockets? And there, there's just such a vast difference between Sid Miller and I in that regard. And that's why those, those three judges endorsed me, three former judges. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. As George Jones takes us out, the race is on, and it is All indeed right. <laughs> on for less regulation and, and um, uh, better participation from our local state government as it revolves around cannabis and hemp in the Lone Star State. Susan Hayes, we wish you the best in the campaign this coming fall. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. There she goes. Susan Hayes for Agriculture Commissioner. Uh, in the uh, upcoming elections here. Check out her website. You can see it on uh, Hayes4, that's the number 4, ag.com. Get out there and vote early, guys. I think I need to change my address uh, before the 11th and get that done. I moved a month or so ago, so I've got to get that all hammered out on my own end. But um, thank you again uh, to Susan. And, um, and then who do we have coming up in the next week? I've got Relive Organics coming up on the 13th and uh her counterpart sid miller attending the 20th 
on the Texas Hemp Show. So things will be heating up as we all get ready for Election Day. Again, get out there and register to vote. Remember, voting is November 8th. Try, if you can, vote Democrat on the lieutenant governor's spot, guys. That is very, very freaking important. We've got to get Dan Patrick out of there to make change in the Lone Star State. I'm Russell, publisher for the Texas Hip Reporter magazine. Thanks for tuning in to Podcast 98. And thank you to my guest, Susan Hayes, and we wish her the best on her campaign this fall. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. It's the Texas Hip Show. The race is on and it looks like heartaches. And the winner loses all.